who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And Ray John. Listen. Hello and welcome to NVC IGN's Nintendo Hotcast. This week we will be talking about Sonic Colors Ultimate, the best Sonic games, at least on Nintendo systems, the first new Game Boy Advance game coming out in the last 13 years, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Casey DeFridas, and this week I am joined by Mitchell Saltzman. Hello, hello. Brian Altano. Hey, what's up? Hi, and Logan Plant. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you all for joining me today. I do very much appreciate it. We've got Mitchell who reviewed Sonic Colors Ultimate and Logan, who is a big Sonic fan and Brian, who's just a wonderful human being to talk about everything Nintendo that you <laughs> all you. know and love. <laughs> Brian, thank you for being here. I feel like I still never talk to you. I know. It's not, we were time. just talking about this before the show. We used to like talk all the time in the office and then we don't have an office anymore. So we, we you know, I get to see a small pixelated version of you once a month and that's about it. I've, got, I've gotten to see you guys in the office even like it hasn't it's been even longer since I've gotten to see you guys in <laughs> That's office. That's right, so. because you went to Los Angeles. It's yeah. been so long. Logan, I've never even seen you in person. No? Nope. I don't know. You <laughs> could, a figment you of your imagination. You might not Who even knows? be real. Maybe not. Everyone, thank you for joining me. Let's start out with Sonic Colors Ultimate. This game is coming out this week. Mitchell, you reviewed it. You gave it an 8 out of 10. Can you give us a small summary of what is new, what's different, and what's good about the Sonic game? Yeah, I mean, what's good about Sonic Colors is that it's Sonic Colors. <laughs> uh, this was a uh, a Sonic game that I I really I really see it as it being like a a turning point for for the series. Really, this was coming off of Sonic 06, which I think is just you know the the darkest point of the of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, it's coming off of Sonic the Hedgehog episode one or Sonic the Hedgehog four episode one, which was also kind of like a misstep in terms of where they wanted to to shift uh, the 2D version of Sonic. So Sonic Colors came out, and I think it really established a lot of the, a lot of the mainstays of modern, modern Sonic. Uh, sorry, modern Sonic. Um, it introduced these new Wisp power-ups. That, by the way, 
As someone who just did a review for Sonic Colors, uh, wisps is the hardest <laughs> word to say in in a review script. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to go off a tangent. I had to do, no, do so it. many retakes on that script because wisps is a very hard <laughs> word to say in a sentence. <laughs> it's impossible to not make it sound like it's like three syllables. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Wisps. wisps. And it's funny because in the game, uh, Sonic actually, when they're introduced to the wisps, uh, Sonic actually turns to the camera and says, I'm just going to call them aliens if that's okay with you. <laughs> <laughs> so even Sonic has trouble saying it. Um, but anyway, Sonic Colors. Um, yeah, it, it, it's... It introduces the the aliens, and uh, what I think that what it really does for the series is it it adds this uh, power up mechanic that it, it allows for a lot of variety in the level design while still being able to maintain the momentum and speed that makes a Sonic game really really fun. So it, it's the levels in Sonic Colors I think are some of the most interestingly designed and certainly most creative. Sonic levels, I think, throughout the whole series. Um, and yeah, uh, as far as what what Ultimate adds, um, you know, obviously it adds uh, better visuals. Um, so, you know, full disclosure, I played this game on PlayStation 5. I did not play it on, on the Switch. So the, you know, the, the visual quality that I played isn't going to be the same on, on the Switch. I believe the Switch only runs at 30 frames per second. It's not obviously 4K. Um, but you know, even still Sonic colors is a beautiful, gorgeous game and it run on, it ran on 30 frames per second on the, the Wii anyway. So I think you're still getting a great experience on the switch. Um, but it also adds a remix soundtrack. It adds a rival rush mode. Um, what else? Uh, there's cosmetic, uh, upgrades that you can get. There's a new currency that you can find that allows you to, to buy like new, gloves new shoes uh you can customize your your boost effects um so yeah there's a there's a, a good amount that's new my my only thing with the stuff that they added is that they don't really they don't really add or or detract anything from the the overall experience so i really think sonic colors ultimate is as good as it is on the wii and not really much better um that's kind of my only you know real critique about about this game but yeah, that's uh, that's Sonic Colors. If you haven't played it, like highly, highly recommend. I I do think it's one of the best examples of modern Sonic uh, that you can play. So my biggest question is, if someone has already played Sonic Colors on the Wii when it originally came out in 2010, would it be worth picking this up again and replaying it? Um, I, I think it, it depends on on why you want to replay it. If, it. if this is a game that you you haven't visited in a long time, and honestly, you have your Wii stuck in storage, and you just don't feel like you know busting it out and just to play Sonic Colors, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's worth it's worth the replay and you know worth a, another purchase. Um, but you know, if you have your Wii, it's easy to access, and you know you have Sonic Colors already installed. No, you you don't. There's no reason to to buy this again if you're if all you really have to do to play Sonic Colors is just you know turn on your Wii and start mm -hmm. playing. There's there's not really much here that will make that makes the experience a must buy for anyone who who already has or is already you know is already sick of Sonic Colors. 
And yet you'll probably still buy it because that feels like the running theme with the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you have this game already. It's probably five feet from where you're sitting right now. But what if you could buy it again on a portable? Yeah, I mean, they they remixed some of the the red coin locations. So it's not like the exact same game that you play on the on the switch and they added a new uh power-up called the jade the jade wisp um or the jade ghost wisp rather and what that does is it basically allows you to go through walls and attach yourself to anchor points and it's really only used for for coin collection puzzles it's not really used for anything super exciting so it's not again it's it's not a reason to to get the game if if you've already played the heck out of Sonic Colors and you're already sick of it. That said, you know, there there are some new aspects to it that, you know, depending on how crazy you are about that stuff, <laughs> you know, you might find some value in it. Logan, I know you're a fan of Sonic and you've probably played Sonic Colors a lot already. Do you plan to pick this up for the Switch? Yeah, not not right now because there's there's a lot coming out in the next couple of months that I'm more interested in at the moment. But yeah, to what Mitchell was saying about how this game really did set a lot of the new rules for modern Sonic. Yeah, that it's kind of started with Unleashed a couple of years before this game, but that game was really hampered by the Werehog levels that kind of held the the modern Sonic levels back. But then the next year we got Generations and the 360 and PS3 version really picked up where colors left off. And then they kind of abandoned it. They had two really great 3D Sonic games in a row. And then Lost World was next, which went in a totally different direction. It got rid of a lot of what made Colors and Generation so good. And then it was four years until Forces, which tried to bring it back, but the level design was so bad that it didn't reach those highs. So I kind of look back, I don't know, a little. it's a little bittersweet looking back at Sonic Colors because it was this fresh new direction for the series. It introduced the new voice cast. It was the first game where Roger Craig Smith, who's still the voice of Sonic, uh, took over as the lead role. And it did feel like this bold new era for the series. And then Generations was great. It was a great celebration of the series. And then we haven't gotten a good Sonic game since then, a good 3D Sonic game. Mania was great. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's kind of disappointing that I'm hoping that this remaster is kind of like reminding Sonic Team what they had back in 2010 and 11 that made the series good again. And I hope that with the next game in the series, they can kind of recapture some of the formula in Colors Generations and the unleashed modern Sonic levels that I thought were the peak of modern Sonic. Agreed. I think this is a very good transition into our our 1.5 topic, which is the best Sonic games on Nintendo platforms. But really quick, an addendum. I know I said Sonic Colors Ultimate comes out this week, but I lied. It comes out next week on the 7th. But like within the next week, that is within seven days. So I'm not. And if you got the uh, definitive, like the digital deluxe edition, you get it on Friday. There we go. Thank you, Logan, for making me not wrong. I appreciate it. Still right. (laughs) Technically still right. Also, Mitchell gave this an eight, which is great out of 10 on the IGN scale. So if you have not played this Sonic game, as Logan and Mitchell have said, uh, you might like it if you like Sonic games and have not played it. So you might want to go and pick that up. But let's talk about the best Sonic games on Nintendo platforms. Because, Mitchell, in your review, we put in a poll to ask people, what is the best 3D game? And I know you do not agree with the poll results, but you know what? I do. So let's argue about it. So so let's see. Let's go from worst to last. And there were one, two, three, four, five different games on this poll. And in last place was Sonic Colors. 
<laughs> with a 9%. In fourth place was Sonic Unleash with 12%. Uh, third place, Sonic Adventure with 22%. In second place, Sonic Generations with 25%, which, by the way, this does not count for the Nintendo console version because the 3DS version doesn't have any 3D Sonic levels, so we can't, <laughs> we can't count that game. It's not the same. It's a lie. Uh, and top, number one with 30%, is Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, which was on the GameCube. And, I mean, this is my favorite 3D Sonic game. <laughs> well, what I'll say is... <laughs> Uh, if Sonic Gen- Generations doesn't count, uh, then Sonic Adventure 2 Battle is my choice. Uh, okay. But I, I For think, Nintendo, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're, going by, if we're going by best Sonic games on Nintendo platforms, 3D Sonic games on Nintendo platforms, then yeah, Sonic Adventure 2, I think, is, is far and away uh, the best one. But, you know, it's Sonic Generations, you know, on, on other consoles, not on the 3DS. 3DS version, I think, is still pretty solid. I actually haven't played mm-hmm. it. I've only oh, really? seen it. Um, but, you know, Sonic Generations is, like Logan said, it, it, it really is that, you know, polishing up of modern Sonic and kind of like, you know, it's, it's the shining example, I think, of what a modern Sonic game could be. Um, and it, it, it's one that, you know, has that momentum based. 3D sections, or it has those momentum-based 3D sections where you're just going super fast, you're going on grind rails, you're going on, you know, crazy uh, loops and stuff, and then it also has those those maybe slower and more deliberate 2D levels that are still very fast, but they also add in platforming, they add in, uh, you know, little level gimmicks, excuse me, uh, and all all those kind of things. But yeah, Sonic Adventure 2 to battle, I played. I played this. Uh, I played this on Dreamcast. I was a Dreamcast kid growing up, and Sonic oh, wow. Adventure Two was like my jam. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a huge fan of Sonic Adventure Two. Yeah, the adventure games, I think, are just really hard to go back to now. I think that they have not aged very well. Particularly, anytime you're playing as anyone that's not Sonic or Shadow, I think the levels in 2021 are rough i think they're really hard to return to um, but i do still love those games specifically like the the sonic campaigns and the shadow campaign i think are really good levels um, but i know generations doesn't count but i just want to say my piece on that one too i think it's by far the best sonic game because i think a huge problem that sonic still faces is that the developers feel like they really need to pad out the runtime to make the game worth the money and I think that everything they add to pad it out detracts from the game. The Werehog is terrible in Sonic it Unleashed. It's so uh, bad. It's, it's, so it's horrible. And it's like 80% of the game. And, and that's the prime example. Then some of the other characters they add in some of the other games just aren't good. But Sonic Generations doesn't have any of that. You can beat that game in like four hours, but it's a great four hours. And Sonic Colors feels that way too. It's just when there's no padding and it's a shorter experience, that's fine. But it's just when these Sonic games just add in all this crap you have to do that is just awful. That's when that's when I think 3D Sonic is at its worst is in its yeah. filler content, which Generations doesn't really have any of. And one of the things that I think Sonic Colors also does good is that, you know, it, it is that straightforward Sonic experience. But then it also has like these these side video gamey levels. Um, that you use to get the Chaos Emeralds that you you know have to yeah. do if you want to get Supersonic. So it adds extra filler content, but it doesn't force you to play it in order to get through the actual game. It, it kind of keeps it off to to the side, and then the filler content actually isn't isn't that bad. Um, 
so yeah, so I, I totally agree with with what Logan was saying. I think Sonic Generations is the best Sonic game, the best modern Sonic game. I think Sonic Mania is the best Sonic game. But yeah. uh, I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that is available on the Nintendo Switch, which is you know there really aren't a whole lot to choose from if you want to play Sonic on the Switch. We got Sonic Mania, Sonic Forces. Team Sonic Racing, if you want to count that, and Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo, if you want to count that, which I mean, hmm, not really. Those aren't like I, I wouldn't yeah. count those as traditional Sonic games. <laughs> I believe there's like a Genesis collection where you can access some of like the OG Sonic games, but other than that, yeah, you're totally right. Um, I think I think you all nailed it. Uh, I I feel like the um nostalgia is doing a lot of heavy lifting for the Sonic Adventure games, which is fine. You know, there's a lot of games that I put very high in my head that um i try not to return to because i know if i did it would sort of sour their experience for me but <laughs> yeah. uh fun fun fact i actually co-reviewed sonic generations for ign um we had two people review that game because we decided i'd come in from the perspective of like the old school gamer reviewing the mm. 2d sections and uh jack tavries former ign employee would review the 3d sections and then we kind of realized we both really like this as a whole package uh, and we gave it an 8.5. So that was that was my favorite for a while. I've never really been the biggest Sonic fan. Um, I was a huge fan of the 2D ones when I was a kid. And then uh, the 3D ones kind of lost me a little bit. Uh, but I completely recognize why people like them. I sort of famously said that, you know, I didn't really think the games were very good and got a lot of backlash for that. I still kind of feel that way. So this is a <laughs> minefield of a conversation <laughs> for me. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll own up to that. But I did really like Generations. And I remember playing a lot of Colors and really enjoying it, too. Also, I I enjoyed Sonic and the Black Knight. And I just noticed that IGN gave that game like a 3.9 out of 10. <laughs> I enjoyed that game, too. Yeah. And I, so that one was weird because, like, it famously got better the more you played it like it was kind of crappy at the beginning but you unlocked more abilities and moves that made it feel more and more like a traditional sonic game the more you went on uh, and it was definitely cumbersome and frustrating at times but i thought it had some cool ideas um and in terms of the sort of departures from the traditional 3d sonic stuff definitely way better than the werewolf stuff way better than all, all the times they make you you know focus on his crappy friends and all that um but yeah, well, that's, I, the, I, I have a, I have a, I have a mixed, uh, you know, I have a sort of like a, a weird relationship with this franchise in general. But I respect it. I, I don't want to take that joy away from any of you. <laughs> Please leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was that other game that predated uh, Sonic and the what was it, the Black Knight? Um, oh, uh, Secret Rings. Secret, Secret Rings. Yes. Yeah, that one. I hate I like that, that one game. Too. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, you know, they have I a lot of biased opinions about Sonic. <laughs> I'm just, I'm happy to see Sonic fans fight with each other instead of me. Just oh yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I had a really fun experience with all the 3D Sonic games because in college, I played these all growing up. I got the new Sonic game every year when they came out, and then in college, a couple of my buddies wanted to try out some of the games, so we started Sonic Club. And we like made T-shirts and stuff and got together like on Friday nights and played through the entire catalog of 3D Sonic games. And it was oh fun my watching my nostalgia get shattered by <laughs> their experiences seeing these games for the first oh, no. time. Because a lot of them are just really not good. And I say that as a lifelong Sonic fan, so don't attack me. But it was it was really fun like just watching some of my friends collapse playing through some of just the really brutally unfair <laughs> levels in some of these really old Sonic games. <laughs> and um, I like by, 
<laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, Brian, I yes, you're right. By the way, setting Sega Genesis Classics does has Sonic 3D Blast, Sonic Spinball, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 okay. available. There are a ton of Sonic games available on Virtual Console as well, but which is obviously not available on the Switch. But I one last Sonic question before we move on. If the next Sonic game Sega were to come out with, whether it's a remaster or a remake or a brand new game, what would you want to see? Give me a quick summary. Let's start with you, Mitchell. I'm sorry. I got distracted because the Sonic Boom. Uh, I'm hearing Sonic Boom in my head watching this B-roll. <laughs> uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, I wanted to know if Sega came out with a new Sonic game, whether it's a remaster or a remake or a brand new game, what would you want it to be? What would you want it to look like? Quick summary. Um, man, I, I, I want it to I want them to follow up Sonic Generations. Um okay. I don't know I don't know what that looks like. You know, the 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 hard thing about Sonic Generations is that you know you do a game that goes through the whole history of Sonic, and then what do you do after that? Do you do it again? Do you go through the same games? Um and I think with with Sonic Forces, they tried to follow it up by by also having those those modern Sonic, those classic Sonic, and then they also added the the created character levels in, in addition to that. Um, and that didn't really work out. But uh, I just I don't know. Maybe it's 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 a hard. I I don't envy the position that Sonic Team is in. Um, but I think they they struck gold with the gameplay formula of Sonic Generations. And I think they need to be able to to follow that up in some way. I don't know what that way is yet, but hopefully whatever they whatever answer they arrive at is something something along those lines. Uh, what about you, Logan? Yeah, so we we know the next Sonic game's coming next year. I was showing That's off right. the Sonic Central. It was like a 10 second teaser uh, a couple months ago. But we know nothing about it, just that it looks like a modern Sonic game. And I'm ready for them to try something completely different. Um, I think it, it's been four years since Forces, so they've had time to, to work on a new idea. And I'm hoping for some sort of total reimagining where you have these open like playgrounds for Sonic to run around on, where you can really build your own momentum. And say you can like see a Chaos Emerald on the top of this peak. But to get there, you have to start on the other end of the world and just have this perfect platforming to get there and get yourself up there. Almost like a Super Mario 64 or Odyssey style levels for 3D Sonic, where they're really tailored around speed and momentum and skill, I think would be a really fresh departure from kind of the hit boost and get to the goal that we saw in Sonic Forces. What about you, Brian? Um, I, th I think you all nailed it. I, I would love another generation style thing. I think what would really separate the next Sonic game from the previous ones is a complete overhaul in art direction. We saw some, if you're watching the show, uh, or even if you're not, you can imagine it. We saw some like sort of animated footage of, of Sonic games in the past. I think that like a cell shaded or a fully sort of like almost 2D animated, traditional animated approach to the visual aesthetic would go a really long way. I mean, we kind of have an idea of what 3D Sonic games look like. They've also sort of been a deviation of the previous ones, but also fairly derivative, right? In terms of every 3D Sonic game has roughly had a very similar art style. And I think going in with like a completely different art direction, making something that looks hand-drawn uh, and maybe something that goes sw switches between 2D and 3D would be really, really awesome. Um, one of the things I really loved about Generations was it brought back the sort of like the, the you know, the squat, chunky 
looking Sonic uh, character model. <laughs> I love that. I love the old school Super Mario version. That's just kind of like, you know, he's just kind of like chubbier and plump. And he just looks he's got this like kind of vintage Mickey Mouse look to him. Sonic had the same thing going, you know, it was very much inspired by uh, the original Mickey Mouse cartoons. Um, I would love to see that return in the, a full fledged game. So, yeah, more of that. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear. And each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. And I know I know I'm wrong. I'm just going to accept that. But I just want a total remake of Sonic Adventure 2 battle. I want to be able to level up my chows to level 99 and involve them into <laughs> little devil and angel critters and make them race and battle. That's what I want. I'm just describing Pokemon. Uh, anyway, that was our conversation about Sonic. Thank you, everyone, for talking about it. I do appreciate it. Let's move on to some new news. Real quick, we just learned this morning that we are getting a Big Brain Academy, Brain versus Brain. This is launching December 3rd, and I think this is this is really standing out because it is going to have four-player competitive matches, games including memorization, identifying images, etc. There's also going to be two-player vertical, uh, two-player on the, when you hold the screen vertical and with the touchscreen, kind of like how you could do with a Mario Party. Guys, what do you think? Big Brain Academy. We did not get the previous Brain Age, but hey, we're going to get Big Brain Academy, which uh, you all reminded me are not the same thing earlier today because my brain needs some training, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, my my only real exposure to, you know, Big Brain Academy is, has like been, you know, reading reviews of it. I haven't actually played it. I haven't really seen it being played. Uh, watching this trailer, though, it, it really does seem like a, a fun thing to play with, like, you know, if you have a kid, uh, I think it would be a, a great way to to play games with them. If you have a family, you know, you play the, the four player version. These The, the mini games seem fun. They seem, uh, you know, very, very much outside of what you would play in like a, a Mario Party. It, it's it's much more focused on like, you know almost games that you would play in school. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think it's a little outside my, my, uh, my tastes. Um, but uh, for, for the people that would be into this, uh, I think it's a great game. I think it's a great game. You can trick your children into training their brains. Big brain <laughs> Academy. Should be the slogan. I don't know. 
Logan and uh, Brian. Brian, I almost called you Brain, and uh, Logan, I almost called you Slogan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you work at Starbucks? <laughs> Maybe. It's <laughs> my my actual my my evil uh, identi- second identity is a Starbucks lady who gives people wrong names. Uh, will you guys be playing this, Brian? I know that your your kid is still very very small, mm-hmm. but in the future maybe it's never too you're never too young to not be stupid i guess no um i don't know this i've i've i feel like i've tried with these games in the past it's one of those things where i completely recognize why they exist and who they're for and i'm just not generally the target audience this is not me saying that i'm too smart for them by no means is that true but uh this this is one of those things that i think that like this sweeps a wider net than the traditional Nintendo franchises. And this brings in people who are a little bit more casual. And I think that's a, that's a great thing for, you know, a massively successful platform like the Switch, um, and especially for Nintendo first-party stuff, to reach uh, members of your family that maybe aren't your traditional, you know, hardcore gamer is really cool to see. I feel like that every time I've attempted to get into these games, it, they feel very sort of surface level. And I feel like I get a lot of what I need from them um, in a short time. And so they don't necessarily justify the price tag for me, but for other people, like I, I was saying before the show, I've had like aunts and family members and stuff like that who, who played like brain training and brain age every single day for years. And you couldn't convince them to play anything else on their Nintendo DS or 3DS. They just checked in every single day and did their puzzles and in, it helped them and it gave them a feeling of accomplishment. And so, yeah, heck yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad this exists, even though it's not for me. Yeah, I'm glad it exists too. I think that the thing that's weird to me is you mentioned it, Casey, that the, the brain age that came out on switch in Japan and Europe never came here. And this is coming here. And I look at just the sales numbers of these franchises. Brain Age is huge. The original sold 20 million copies on DS, but the original Big Brain Academy sold 6 million. So I'm really just curious what the decision making was here to give this franchise another shot in North America when Brain Age did not come over. I'm thinking maybe it had something to do with the stylus that was included in the Brain Age game. Maybe they didn't want to finance a physical run of that Brain Age game. And this one's maybe digital only it's 30 bucks um and can be digital only but i think that's just a really interesting that if they're going to bring one of these series back that this is the one they went with in this market i also think maybe that the the brain age that is only in japan and europe is also targeted specifically for adults it's brain uh, brain training for adults and maybe they thought maybe the adults in america weren't interested in training their brains uh <laughs> big brain I'm, I'm just kidding but the brain academy um is multiplayer looks more for children and families and historically these kind of games for the Wii for example have been a really big hit I think this would be a great kind of game to break out at a family gathering to play of all ages because they're the kind of games that anyone can learn and know right off by just looking at them for example some of the games that we were looking at was like choose the picture that correlates with this word and the word would be flowers you have to quickly as fast as possible choose the picture that looks like a flower so everyone can pick that up on like immediately and then immediately play together which i think is one of the big draws of this game and also it is only 29.99 so it's not it's not super big but yeah i'm glad this is coming right before the holidays hopefully we all will be able to hang out with our family during the holidays this year but yeah big brand academy is same day as advanced wars too oh yeah december 3rd december is looking to be bigger I feel like the the one like concern I would have with playing this game with, you know, my child 
would be if I start losing consistently to them. And then just <laughs> oh, like the realization that my mind is deteriorating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I can see I go, it. I'm so old. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can see it being a little weird because one of the features is like when you do head to head, you can like pick your difficulty level. So it's like, all right, who's smarter? Who's going to pick the harder difficulty? And it's just, I can see it leading to some uh, awkward multiplayer interactions. <laughs> well, their children are cheating. They go to school constantly. We haven't gone to school in a long time. So that's, <laughs> that's they, true. you know, they that's have true. a tactical advantage there. It's unfair. They're training for this every day. We haven't trained in years. I <laughs> don't know what we're doing. I want to move on to the next topic, which will be an ongoing topic for the entire month of September to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Nintendo 64, at least in North America. It's the 25th anniversary of the N64 on September 29th. And to celebrate every week, we will be picking one game each that we would want to be on the Nintendo 64 Classic if that were ever to happen. This is theoretical. We don't know if it's going to happen or not, but... Hey, also, this was uh, an idea from Logan. So thank you so much for the awesome idea. I hope to do more ongoing little featurey things in the future when uh, months are a little teeny bit slow. So let's start it off. We're each going to choose one game and pitch why it needs to be included on the Nintendo 64 Classic. Brian, let's start with you. I'm starting with Mario Kart 64. Uh, Obviously, Sold a million copies. Everyone loves that game, but they really don't because that game gets a bad rap from a lot of people uh, in terms of the sort of the history of Mario Kart games. Uh, people really like this. Is, you know, Double Dash is always the game that we like. We look back on like IGN, you know, underscored it or whatever. Fryer Fran Mir- Mirabella, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, Mario Kart 64 is I have some of my fondest video game memories of all time playing battle mode in this game. Like. This has like Blockford is to me one of the best battle mode levels ever created in any Nintendo game ever. Um, the idea of like an N64 mini materializing someday with four controller ports on the front and people getting to play this again with like a consistent frame rate is super exciting to me. Um, I also think the Grand Prix mode's awesome. Time trial stuff was great. Uh, the graphics are really clean. It's a weird mix of um, hideous sprites inside of (laughs) inside of carts and then 3d levels and so when they turn they just look terrifying and i love it it's just really really charming um there's so much to love about this game and i I think that it needs another chance it's also mario kart is tremendously successful on switch now uh it's it's possibly more popular than it's ever been in terms of a franchise and i think people need to uh have access to the classic ones again I, I completely agree with that. I would love to go back and revisit, especially the battle modes. As you said, as you said, I completely mm-hmm. forgot that I played that as many hours as I did until now. <laughs> yeah. Mitchell, We're asking what? for like huh? too much already asking for the N64 classic. I know. But to ask for even more, if Mario Kart 64 could get like some added stuff. Like when you play with four people in that game, there's no music. Like it's just silence. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can we, can we get I that forgot. added in? <laughs> Uh, it creates this yeah. like deeply haunting now, experience music. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I just it, hear the item well, <laughs> no the soundtrack <laughs> is just it's constant it's just that's all you hear yeah <laughs> the, and the battle mode is like terrifying because you just hear when people get the star it's just like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. that's the only <laughs> All right, they need to let you choose. Do you want to have the classic experience or the new one? And you know what? We should just choose the the classic one to unlock the deep locked memories in our mind vaults. I completely forgot that. That's so funny. 
Mitchell, what would your game be that you need to be, you need to have on the Nintendo 64 or mini or classic or whatever this theoretical thing that doesn't exist might be called in the future? Okay, so I don't I don't get to to appear on NVC all that often. So I want to make sure because I know no one else is going to choose this game. And if we are doing a theoretical N64 classic, this game needs to be there. Uh, WWF, no mercy. Yep. Because if, if, when I think back on the N64 and like, you know, what kind of console it was, you know, I think of it as the, the Mario 64 console. I think of it as, you know, the GoldenEye console and... I think of it as the console that had some of the best wrestling games of all time. And to me, WWF No Mercy is the the pinnacle of, of those wrestling games. Um, it just, it, you know, you look at those graphics now and it's like, oh, that, I guess that kind of looks like The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just literally like a face plastered onto, uh, you know, a, a, a polygonal head. Um, but at the time, you know, uh, it, it it blew my mind with how like many characters were in that game and how you know how fun the and how how well the animations mimicked what actually happened in in wrestling um and as far as like gameplay goes it was you know very simplistic wrestling gameplay that is basically still used as like the foundation of a lot of wrestling systems today the strike grapple kind of mix up and uh, <clears throat> excuse me like the counter the counter mechanics uh so yeah so i think wwf no mercy absolutely has to be on any kind of n64 classic and i'm glad you got me on here so i could put it on so because i know no one else would have done it no i'm glad (laughs) i'm glad that you you did because you're right i didn't expect it i have not played that game but i would very happily play it on the theoretical nintendo 64 mini yeah also also (laughs) still one of the best story modes in any wrestling game out there (laughs) that is like really high praise yeah. Mm-hmm. branching storylines you know it, it matters whether you win or lose it's just like stuff that you just don't see very often in in wrestling games usually you lose a match you just have to retry it if you lose a match in in wrestling in uh no mercy story mode it takes you on a different branching path which is just like you know that's the really best cool thing. logan what is your top pick that needs to be on the nintendo 64 mini yeah, being on the the first episode, I almost felt like I just had to pick one of the all-timers just to get it on there. So I went with Zelda Ocarina of Time. I think that it's it's still my favorite Zelda to this day, still one of my favorite games of all time. And I play this game every year. Like I every summer, my sister and I play this game together. So I've beaten it like 15 times. And it just it still holds up. It's still I'm glad that Zelda has now branched away from this formula with Breath of the Wild, but the formula it established endured through like five full Zelda games. And I still think this is the best one that did it. Just the dungeon design. It has my favorite dungeon still in the series. I love the story going from young to adult link. Everything's been said about this game, but I mean, it's, it's still a 10 out of 10 masterpiece and it's, it's going to be on the front of the box of the N64 classic. Oh yeah. Mario 64, Mario Kart. Do you want, do you want master mode thrown in there too? As I do. I'm never a big Master Quest guy. I never I never really played that. Uh, I didn't like that they mirrored it on 3DS because that world is imprinted in my brain and I just couldn't do it in the right, remake. Right, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, which, which just give me the classic. favorite of all time. I really like the, the Fire Temple. I love saving the Gorons and getting the hammer and then like hitting the giant pillar at the top of the temple to, to change the bottom of it. That's I think that's my favorite one in the game. 
I was hoping you'd just go for the chaotic energy and just said water temple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Forest temple was, always was my favorite. I like the music in that oh. level. The, love, I mean, the whole level design, yeah. especially like that weird tunnel you walk through and there's just so many, it's just so mysterious. And it just felt like, like I'd never explored a 3d space like that before in a video game until I played the forest temple. I'm, Man, that's such a masterpiece. You're making me want to replay this game again. Now. I know. Can I make a shameful admission? Um, oh, whenever I uh, got to the the forest temple was always the point I would stop my replay of, of Legend of Zelda or Ocarina of Time because the wall masters traumatized oh. me as a child. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're super spooky. <laughs> it's just a mental block. I cannot handle it. I get to the, the first room where they where Navi warns you about the wall masters. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't go any further. <laughs> did, so, did you ever, I was, did you ever get to the well or the spirit temple? Because those are, I, I have been the oh. game. Like I, I, there yeah. was a point where I was just like, I forced myself through it. Um, but I haven't been able, I like never yeah. got able to do that again. So I, I learned the hard way on the NES version. Cause there's no Navi in that game. No one goes, Hey, watch out. There's a, a hand falls out of the sky <laughs> and brings you back to the beginning when you're four inches away from the, the end of the dungeon. And so I remember just being a kid and just being like, Oh, what that's, what's that? Oh no. <laughs> and it's getting picked up and whisked away and then having to do the entire dungeon over. That's yeah, that's, that is. That is traumatizing. But then, you, but then you get to fight it and kill it in a mini boss, which is also equally as terrifying. But at least cool. you get to get yeah. revenge. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love the Forest Temple. I love Ocarina of Time. My pick, I'm sure all of you expected it. Majora's Mask has to be on there. It's, I like it better than Ocarina of Time. I'm not saying it is better, but personally, I don't know. Majora's Mask just really resonated with me. Uh, a lot <laughs> and i really like it and i could go on about majora's mask a lot but i feel like i've talked about this game so many times on nintendo voice chat you probably already get the gist i think it just takes ogreen of time which is already a very great game continues and mixes up the formula a little bit you actually get the zelda theme in majora's mask which you don't get in ogreen of time so there's one way that it's better objectively i also think the, the masks are really interesting uh, mechanic being able to change forms which all have different abilities is very cool and i just love the darker tone in majora's mask and a lot of the individual stories of so many different npcs just really i don't know it kind of it makes you sad and i like it <laughs> also yeah, it was majora's way ahead of the curve because time loop games yeah. are the new rage so <laughs> yeah there you go majora's mask the first time loop game go back and play it so those are our first four picks for the alleged not alleged it's not even alleged it's a fictional theoretical nintendo 64 mini that will probably never come out but if it did that's what we would want and we will continue doing this each week until the week of the 25th anniversary of nintendo 64 and go over the list one last time and maybe add and remove anything that we think should and should not be in there casey don't let them remove no mercy Casey, I'm asking you right now. Don't let them remove no mercy. All right. You you all think they're actually going to do anything? Because this feels like when, you know, when like your friend's birthday is on Christmas and it's just like one of the one of the one of the gift piles suffers because of it. Like, I feel like they've got like Metroid and Zelda and all these other birthdays they're dealing with right now. And they're like, oh, crap, it's the N64's birthday, too. Like, it feels like one of them's going to fall through the cracks. It's it's probably going to be the sixty four. It's I mean they they haven't even mentioned it this year. No. So who knows? But hey, you can celebrate with us at Nintendo Voice Chat 
your Nintendos. Celebrate Nintendo 64 anniversary with us at the end of September and every week leading up to that point. And Mitchell, I, on record, I will not let them remove WWF No Mercy from this list. You. It will make it to the final list. I promise. I appreciate that. <laughs> so we just finished up talking about the Nintendo 64 classics. We need to be on a theoretical Nintendo 64 mini console that was probably not coming out, but we can hope. But let's talk about another old console that is getting its first game in the last 13 years. There's the first new Game Boy Advance game coming and it's completely destroyed the Kickstarter campaign. Logan, you wrote this article. Could you give us a summary of what this is about? Yeah, so it's uh, called Good Boy Galaxy, and it stars this uh, astronaut dog who's really cute. And it's uh, it's a Metroidvania. They didn't use that word in the description. They're like exploration based platformer. Think Metroid. Uh, but it's very Metroid. You can see it if you're watching the video now. It's extremely Metroid-like. Uh, it already has raised over $100,000 on Kickstarter. So it's reached a bunch of its stretch goals, which include a physical GBA version that can come with the box cartridge and manual. They're doing a Japanese version and a U.S. version. So whatever box you want to put on your shelf, you can pick either of those versions to back. And something I think is really cool is that there's a demo available right now if you go to the Kickstarter page for this game, uh, we have it linked in the article on IGN, you can go and play a demo of this game right in your web browser and try out content that's only in the demo. So this is like a level zero demo. The level's not going to be in the final game. It's just to get a feel of what the game is like. And I played it, and yeah, it's pretty fun. It it feels like a GBA game. Like it, You can tell it belongs in that hardware. And it is also coming to Switch and PC. Not till 2023, though, so it's it's a ways out, but... Just a super cool campaign. I was really excited about it. I love the GBA. And to see it get a new game is is wild. Yeah, if you waited 20 years for a new GBA game, you can wait two more years for it to come this week. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. I'm so happy this exists. This is, and it's so cool that it's a successful Kickstarter campaign already. And um, it's, it's gorgeous. Like, this is just such a... I just, I just love this. I, I have such nostalgia for this era of gaming specifically. Um, playing platformers on, on the GBA was such a sort of like a, a second wave of the games I played, you know, growing up, like it, the hardware limitations on the GBA led to so much creativity and such a renaissance in, in platforming games. And so like, I haven't, there's an arcade cabinet behind me right now running Ninja five. Oh, like that's how much I love that era. Um, which is an incredibly good game and probably very slept on. Um, but yeah, this, this looks so, so cool. I'm, I'm totally going to back this Kickstarter. Yeah, um, I think it looks awesome. I think even more than it just being, you know, uh, the first Game Boy Advance game in, you know, 13 years, it just looks like a really good game. Like, mm -hmm. this is this is a game mm -hmm. I would absolutely, you know, check out on, on Steam. I, I unfortunately don't have a Game Boy Advance anymore. I used to have one. I have no idea where it is. I probably sold it in a garage sale. Do you have a <laughs> but, Nintendo DS? Uh, what was that? Do you have a DS? Because they have the Game Boy Advance slots. Uh no, I probably don't have a DC. <laughs> I probably sold it at another garage sale. My parents are really into garage sales. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I think you know just as a you know a Metroidvania, it looks really really cool, and it does it does follow that Game Boy Advance era aesthetic very very well. So I'm I'm excited to check it out. I haven't checked out the demo yet. I'll probably check it out you know sometime in the near in the near future. 
I've been watching the the video that's been playing on our video version, and I've just been completely distracted by this dog's tongue that never goes inside of his mouth. It just like so hangs cute. around, <laughs> and, like waggles around all over the place. It's very, very adorable. <laughs> but I, I'm so, I'm very interested in how you go about manufacturing a Game Boy Advance game right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't answer that question, so I'll come back to you once I figure once we figure out how they go about. <laughs> doing that but wrote an article about an unfinished game but color game at kickstarter that raised over two hundred thousand dollars yeah it's called infinity and it's an rpg that uh, it was being developed right around the time the game boy advance was coming out so the the game boy color was getting phased out and so the team had a really hard time finding a publisher for it so it was officially canceled 19 years ago and now some of the original developers as well as some new team members have have come to this new team this new publisher to finish the game and this is on game boy color it's also getting a physical release and they've raised over two hundred thousand dollars so just a renaissance for the game boy right now and this game looks really cool too the the sprites in it have serious vibes of like Link's awakening and the oracle games it looks a lot like that and like they're it seems huge for a Game Boy Color game, 50 explorable areas, over 20 hours long. Like, it seems like a pretty ambitious project. And I think it is also getting a Steam port, no word on Switch or anything, but it'll come to PC also. But yeah, both these games just look really cool. You'll be able to play it on either, on any platform, not any platform of your choice, but multiple platforms of your choice. If you have any of those, thank you for giving me the summary of that. It's very cool to see some retro games coming back to some old consoles and i hope that maybe nintendo will launch a virtual console for game boy like maybe we'll get some of that for nintendo classic who knows we'll see but let's talk about some more news and at the top of the list so i don't think we've really discussed this in much detail at all but nickelodeon's smash bros alike which is a god i don't even i don't have not written it down like what this game is called nickelodeon all-Star Battle? All-Star, All-Stars, All-Stars Brawl? Brawl. Nickelodeon oh, All-Stars Brawl. This game is coming out. It has a completely wild roster, and they just announced two more characters, April O'Neil and CatDog. They also have Nigel Thornberry and Powdered Toastman from Ren and Snippy. I feel like some of these choices are just for the for the laughs, and I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. But I guess my question is, like, is there room for another Smash alike? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, honestly, I think there there aren't all that many notable Smash likes. Like you have, you know, in terms of stuff that's still relevant or like, you know, that people still play, you have Rivals of Ether, you have Brawlhalla, uh, and that's all that really comes to mind. So I think there's absolutely room for, for another challenger, so to speak, in the field. Um, and this game looks good. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it will be good. I, I was talking with someone, uh, and it was like a weird, like looking at this trailer. It, it was a weird kind of, you know, conflicting feelings where you look at it and you you see in the in the gameplay that's being shown, these people know how to make a smash game. Like the way characters react to getting hit feels like Smash Brothers. But then you also look at it and you're like. Okay, but it's Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a licensed game based off of, you know, Nickelodeon characters along the same lines as like, you know, the Nickelodeon kart racing games, which I, I haven't played. I heard that they're they're fine, you know, to not great, you know, that that kind of range. So 
I really, really hope that this game is good. I think, I think it is going to be at least in like, you know, the eight and seven range. I hope it gets even further than that. Um, but yeah, I think, first of all, I think Nigel Thornberry is an, it's an inspired pick. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like the way he, like his body contorts, like a, like a, a, a monster is just like the absolute best. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel about cat dog. Like the idea of knocking cat and or dog together as cat dog or dog cat off of a ledge and one of them is holding on for dear life while the other one stretches out is hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I'm totally with you, Mitchell. Like it remains to be seen. I think I'll put it this way. I think that this will be a like fun, competent party fighter, which personally for mm -hmm. me, that's all I need. Will it scale to the tournament scene in the way Smash Brothers does? That remains to be seen, right? Like that's that's a totally different sort of can of worms. That the, watching how that audience gravitates towards specific mechanics or characters is is a totally different thing than you know like getting a bunch of friends together around a TV to play Smash Brothers with the items on, which is how I like to play, like a dumb casual, you know, because I don't care. But for the tournament scene, obviously, totally different story. Um, we'll see if it goes if it goes there. But I, I really like the their rollout here. I really like seeing. New characters pop up. It's it's really fun to be like they just wake up on a random day. They're like we have Cat Dog and April O'Neil's announced as a playable character for you know was her second game in two days between yeah. that yeah. And yellow yellow jumpsuit April O'Neil is having a great year. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really really <laughs> awesome. I mean, like I'm a big old school Turtles fan, so like this kicks butt. I'm super into this. Um, I'm excited to see who else they add. Like, I think that's a really fun part of it. They even have that sort of, you know, diagonal 3D text popping out, which is very Smash Brothers to announce a new character. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a lot, there's so much uh, to work with here in terms of uh, lore and settings, environments. There's so many great stages. There's so much modern and, and vintage Nickelodeon stuff to pull from here. Uh, I think if this is a hit, they could really make this, this game and this series grow for a really long time. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really exciting. There are a yeah, lot I, I, of awesome Nickelodeon characters. Mm -hmm. Like they already have Reptar and Invader Zim in here, and some newer characters as well. Mitchell, what were you going to say? I was going to say my one concern about this game is that uh, they don't have the budget to get all the you know the voices of these characters, so it's going to be kind of like a, a very silent. Uh, you know, every match is going to be very silent, which kind of sucks. You know, one of the the big things about Smash Brothers is hearing, you know, PK Thunder, PK Fire. <laughs> uh, you know, having a, a game where it lacks those attack, those attack noises, uh, it, it, it's not something that appeals itself to me. Would let's they, just say, would they be? Uh, what do you think about them potentially just hiring new voice actors? Oh no, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I don't think you would. I don't think a lot no. of people would like that. But if they He's did the, do that. I think these voices are too iconic that anything that sounds different than than what they normally sound like, it's going to be it, it's not going to be great. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I think this looks like a really fun party brawler, as you all have said, and comes out in fall 2021. Uh, we we're just talking about and I like already lost the name of the game again. Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl. Mm -hmm. There you go. I remembered it. Got it. Coming out this fall. Also, I know that we've already talked about Hades a lot. Um, also, is is Logan frozen? Oh, no. Logan blinked twice. Logan, he's just Logan's, really happy. Logan's frozen. <laughs> Hopefully he'll come. He'll come back in. He's just that's a good expression. It's fine. He's happy yeah. that Hades is one big at the inaugural Global Game Industry Awards. I know you've talked about Hades a lot, but if you haven't played it, this should just solidify 
why you should. So the International Game Developers Association revealed its winners for the inaugural Global Game Industry Awards. And Supertrying Games Hades took home nine awards, including for voice acting, 2D animation, and representation, and a bunch of other things as well. It is a very, very good game. You should go play it. It's available on the Switch. It came out for the for PC and the Switch before any other consoles, and it is now available on other consoles as well. Mm-hmm. Go check that game out. Including Game Pass. Including Game Pass. Go do it. So, yeah, you can do it for free. If you got, you got Game Pass, you got no excuse. Go check out Hades. Also, uh, I just wanted to point out real quick that Stardew Valley is officially an eSport now. I love this. I am really interested in it, how they uh, came to make this but basically <laughs> the creator of stardew valley has officially announced the stardew valley cup and basically it's going to be a list of 100 different challenges that team would have to complete in the cup there are four teams competing and i assume whoever completes the most challenges in the time allotted will win there's forty thousand dollars on the line i love this idea for single player games could we see this more in the future I I guess I I don't I don't know enough about Stardew Valley to even know what this looks like. <laughs> so like uh, what, what like, kind of challenges could they like could they have? reaching floor one hundred in the Skull Cavern, for example? Oh, okay. So like the the place where you go to like collect uh like materials. I think I, yeah. Again, I'm also not super familiar with Stardew Valley. I like dabbled in it and did not get very far. Oh, okay, okay. But I like the idea of this. It's cool. It's interesting. I kind of want to watch it. The competition is being run in coordination with uh, Unsurpassable Z, who's a YouTuber who's known for making content about the game. So, yeah, it should it should be cool. There's a hundred different challenges that they have to do. I want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I think it'll be I fun. think it is awesome to to be able to <laughs> you know create something around create competitive aspects around games that aren't typically competitive, and then put some money behind it also. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think it's it's a great way to to build up a build up a scene and you know reward reward the people that have been really championing your, your game. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think this is awesome. I have no idea what it's gonna look like, <laughs> but power to the Stardew Valley fans. I don't either. I, I hope they live stream it. I think it'll be fun <laughs> to watch. Also, last thing in the more new section of Nintendo Voice Chat. Puma has announced Animal Crossing sneakers, and I assume there will probably there will probably be a few other Animal Crossing themed items in this line, like maybe a Puma on an Animal Crossing jacket or some other things. We don't really know for sure. We also don't know when these are coming out. Brian, you love Animal Crossing. What do you think about these sneakers? Uh, I'm not in love with the sneakers. I um I really really like the NES Pumas that they put out couple months back or last year time has all melted together um so nintendo partnering with puma is definitely something that interests me this color scheme particularly is not my jam but i think they look really clean they look really awesome the little logo prints on the side are really are really cool um they have like a really sort of uh kind of kitschy aesthetic which i dig um that puma makes like really really nice shoes um and the Nintendo ones I've done in the past were really great. These will probably be hard to find. And uh, just I warn you of that. that. At some point, buying any new pair of sneakers is just like buying a new PS5, which means it's a giant pain to get them. Um, so heads up if you're one of those people that's just like, oh, I'm not really a sneakerhead, but these look cool. It's going to be difficult. I don't know why. Everything Buying everything is difficult now. That's just the way it goes. 
Um, but these are cool. They're, I, I really, I really, I'm really glad that they're out there uh, or they will be out there, even though I won't rock them personally. Uh, but I like them. I want to know what's in that little bag. Is it just extra shoelaces? Cause that's cool. It probably is. The, the little, little bells bag probably is just actual shoecases, mm -hmm. shoecases, geez, shoelaces, but it's cool <laughs> that you are able to choose between the two. I really like that the the drought of video game and nerdy products is completely over it seems yeah. like we have so many collaborations with things oh hey look there is a sweater there we go um there are so many collaborations of nerdy things like black milk came out with mario animal crossing and pokemon which is a big brand color pop which is a big makeup brand came out with an animal crossing crossover mm -hmm. we're getting pokemon yogi bows we're getting pokemon like home accents here check this out if you're watching the video i just got wait it's like can you see that there we go yeah whoa you can't really tell but this lights whoa. up so it's a little light up uh home accent <laughs> it's really i don't know I don't, that's but, awesome um but there's just so much stuff to buy and also my wallet hurts and <laughs> but i guess also now that there's so much to choose from i don't feel compelled to get literally everything that comes out because i know there will be more and probably something that i like better so I'm just glad that, you know, this is this is normal now. We can expect more of these collaborations in the future to get really cool, awesome merch. Yeah, I, I hope they make Metroid Pumas. That would be awesome. That'd be super, super cool. I hope they do that. They won't, but I hope they do. I don't know. I don't know. They Who knows? Might. Throwing that out there. We'll see how how well Metroid uh, Dread sells this year. I think it's going to sell really, really well. I think it's going to be the best. I, I agree. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's okay. going to be the best selling Metroid game ever. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. We'll, we'll give <laughs> hold me to it too. <laughs> if we go down, we're going down together. That's bro. right. We're doing it. It's fine. It's fine. I but no, I really, I really do believe in this one. Let's see. I hope so. I mean, there's not a whole lot coming out in the near future to compete with it. So hey, I think that that got something going for it. People will check it out. It also seems Nintendo is putting a lot more marketing behind Metroid Dread now as well. We've been getting a ton of trailers and kind of Nintendo's been spotlighting it quite a bit. Yeah, what? I, I yeah, actually may argue too much. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, actually, I tweet, I, we had uh, OJ Player Essence on the show a couple weeks ago. Shout out to OJ. He tweeted the other day, like uh, about like the, the one of the new trailers that they put out, and I responded to him, and I was just like, I can't believe I went from like Nintendo, please give us a new Metroid game, to Nintendo, please stop showing us your new Metroid game <laughs> in just a couple of weeks. Like I, they showed off new missiles, and there's like bosses, and I'm like, stop, I'm good, I'm sold, I'm in, I, I want it. Don't show me anymore, I'm good. <laughs> I'm excited for that game. But before we can talk about that game, let's talk about ga the games that we have been playing. And Mitchell and Brian, I know you've both been playing No More Heroes 3. Brian, you told me that you beat it. I yep. know that uh, Kat and some of the other NBC cats talked about No More Heroes 3 a bit last week, but now there are literally no embargoes at all. So what do you think? So I, okay, this is, this is a tough one for me because I really, really like this game while uh still fully recognizing that it is very much a flawed experience from a lot of perspectives right it is, this is a you know this is I, to me one of the most um ingenious and creative video games i've played in a very long time i think that the the sort of the the wild and crazy sensibilities that that suda 51 brings into uh his games especially especially no more heroes franchise uh is just so special and really unique and unlike anything else out there. Uh, I, I think that there, this, this game does such a great job of celebrating video games as a medium. It is 
both parts uh, sort of like a love letter and also a parody of what a lot of uh, sort of like video games are doing at any given moment. There are um, multiple different enemies that you fight in this game, and uh, many of them have sort of tonally their own theme in terms of which genre they're, uh, uh, or which style of video game they're, they're taking on as a parody. It will regularly jump from like a crazy over-the-top action game to a 2D beat-em-up to uh, two characters in a you know a visual novel to uh, a, a, a shmup like there's just there there are giant mech fights there are mini games galore but it's all sort of wrapped in this weird kind of uh, you know empty world uh, which if you're familiar with this franchise you're familiar with that already it's got technical hiccups galore. Uh, there are, you know, frame rate m- mistakes. The character gets stuck in the geometry. Like there's all this stuff that like for almost any other, if, if this game was totally bland and lifeless in the creative departments, I would hate it. But because it's doing so much right in so many ways, I I don't necessarily give it a pass, but it's just charming enough that I, I, I let it, I let a lot of that stuff slide. I've been thinking about this game a lot as, in terms of like, think about it if you could go to the movies for an entire day and someone said you can walk into any theater and you will see a completely different movie a different genre a different experience and it's all it's all part of it right you can just go in we're not gonna check your tickets when you get there any snacks you want will be there too but you have to walk through these like really boring hallways to get there and no one ever goes i really love the hallways at the movie theater you know like they're just part of the they're you know window dressing it's just they're not that interesting. But then you sit down and you watch this film and it's, it's you know, uh, evocative and life-changing and fun and uh, awesome and memorable and funny and sweet and weird and scary and all this other stuff. But there's all that stuff in between that's kind of like, well, that's just a bathroom or that's just a hallway. <laughs> that's, that's really what this game is for me. And I, in a lot of ways, this game is a step back from No More Heroes 2 because uh, there, it, the, a, uh, there a lot of the sort of bespoke areas that you found in No More Heroes one and two that led up to the bosses, which were actually like, you know, actually designed levels are gone here. It's really just like you get into an area, there's a hallway and you get down and you fight a boss. But that boss is so interesting and the cutscenes around it are so interesting. And the story and the mechanics and the combat and stuff like that are so fun that it's worth it to me. You know, like your your mileage may vary. You know, if you're looking for a super polished experience, I don't think you're really going to find that here. If you're looking for something that's unique and innovative and charming and fun, and funny i this is such a special game so i i I recommend this highly with obviously a lot of caveats right but i i'm still i'm so glad it exists i'm so glad that this that suda got to finish his trilogy logan welcome back i'm back (laughs) (laughs) you've been playing no more heroes 3 yeah and uh just like no more heroes 3 my computer had some technical issues uh but (laughs) i'm back my nemesis yeah, but I'm I'm really enjoying No More Heroes 3. I, I just heard a little bit of what Brian was saying. And yeah, that I think the boss fights in this game are really good. And surprisingly, the game runs really well in the fights. Like the frame rate is consistent during the fights. It's mostly just the overworld where this technic these technical issues are are happening. And it almost just makes me wonder why is the overworld in this? Because it wasn't a thing in No More Heroes 2, and, and now it's back in No More Heroes 3. But I've really been enjoying this game, but at the same time, I can't really disagree with the reviews that are negative of it. But sometimes it's okay to like a game that is just okay. And and you can have a really good time with a game that does get a 6 out of 10, and that's the experience I am having with with this one. I played the first two just about a year ago, 
and I, I'm enjoying this one just about the same as those. I think it fits right in with the other two in the trilogy. I, I was talking to Brian before the show, and I basically said, if you had told me this game was from 2012, and it was like a Wii U launch game, and it followed up like right after two came out, I would have believed you because it feels <laughs> like a game straight from that era of when the first two came out. But I think it's really fun. I think if you've been looking forward to this for a while and you are a No More Heroes fan, you know what you're signing up for. And I, I think it's worth playing for that reason. And if you're looking for a super polished AAA action game, there are other options out there and this is probably not it. Mitchell, what do you think? Um. So I played No More Heroes 1 way back when it was first released on, on the, the Wii. And I got through probably about three, maybe four of the assassinations and then bounced off of it. Because as much as I loved Travis and just the, the whole overall vibe of No More Heroes, I couldn't stand actually playing it. I think <laughs> the combat system in No More Heroes 1 is so bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to to the, the No More Heroes fans out there. Um, I I anyone who knows me knows that like action games are are my lifeblood. I love Devil May Cry. I love Bayonetta. Those are some of my favorite games of all time. Um, so you know you would think that I would like immediately gravitate to a game like No More Heroes, but the combat just doesn't speak to me in in those those other games in the way that the other games in uh, that I do love really do. Um, so I tried going back to No More Heroes One in 2021. I'm still I'm still really like struggling through it. I'm not enjoying it that much. And I actually jumped straight into No More Heroes Three just to see what it was like. And I think the combat in No More Heroes Three is really good from what I've from what I've played so far. Like it takes away it does away with the whole high low thing that I absolutely hate. You know the high low yeah. stance. Um, it has a lot more defensive options. You can like do parries. Um, the, the, the dodging mechanics feel a lot better. The, the enemies telegraph their move, their moves much better. So I'm, I'm honestly thinking about just like watching a recap video of No Heroes 1 and 2, and just jumping straight into 3, because what I played so far of 3 is absolutely, is ab absolutely speaking to me in the same way that those other action games that I love do. Um, and yeah, uh. I, I'm looking forward to checking out more of it. I will say so I'm, far, uh, it, I feel like the gameplay is finally catching up to the style in No More Heroes 3. I'm pretty sure the two already does away with the high low thing. in the first oh, one, it's like God. if you hold the Wii remote higher or if you hold it down low, it changes the moves you can do. I think that's only in one. I don't remember that Thank being God. in two. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't play two at all. I, I skipped out on it because I was so bummed by, by No More Heroes 1. <laughs> And if you are more interested in hearing more about No More Heroes 3, there is the full review on IGN.com by Matt Kim. He gave it a 7 out of 10. And I know that they discussed the review a little bit in more detail on last week's episode of NVC. And he gave it a 6. He did. He gave it yeah. a 6? Oh, I lied. He gave it a 6. <laughs> it's six worth for, point, okay. It's worth pointing out that Suda was tweeting out the bad reviews and the good reviews. So I think it's like, I, I think that's really funny. He was just like, hey, <laughs> awesome. Suda's yeah. the best. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> And um, I have still been playing a lot of the same games I have been over the last couple of weeks, but I did start Baldo. I know a lot of you have been asking about Baldo in the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums, and I've been seeing a little bit of discourse around on Twitter. So 
I wanted to answer this question from Stephen M. Smith. They said, what's everyone's opinion on Baldo? Was it rushed? Would you have waited to play it after they spent more time on it to make it playable? What should they do right now? And so Baldo, the Guardian Owls, we first saw quite, I think in some March 2020 is when we first saw it during an Indie World Showcase and everyone was kind of enamored about it. It kind of looked like a Studio Ghibli Zelda, which I mean sounds fantastic to me and now it is finally out and there are no official reviews up quite yet for example nintendo life said that they were not able to put up the review because they ran into some uh progress breaking issues and bugs and they were eventually able to get past a glitching doorway thanks to reddit but it's uh far from smooth sailing from the current build is what nintendo life said and i did start to play it i didn't encounter any game breaking bugs yet i do like the gameplay it is kind of like a super hard zelda that's like the best way to describe it but however some of the difficulty comes from kind of the sluggish controls and the fact that you cannot change the controls and also the camera is fixed you cannot move it so sometimes there are things that are obstructed that i think would make the gameplay a little bit easier but i think the puzzles are really interesting and if you're used to playing zelda games like you will get most of these puzzles and then if you don't and then you do you'll be like oh yeah so i have liked the puzzles like i said i've only done the first uh dungeon so far uh for the first like bit of the game your only weapon is pots you literally just have to throw pots and skulls at enemies and that is your only <laughs> weapon and i thought that was really interesting to start you out at like you really have to work to get that sword <laughs> and i really i did like that but yeah like i said it is just feeling a little bit sluggish and it kind of punishes you a lot for the way that the character moves like uh whenever he swings he stops for a really like you can't roll out of the swing and i know like i'm sorry i'm making this comparison but i know for games like dark souls like you are punished for unnecessarily swinging your weapon but this is a little bit worse than that where there's you would hit the enemy but the enemy is just faster than you. And so he'll hit you before you recover from your swing. Or if you get hit by an enemy, your animation to get up is so uh, slow, but you also don't have the invincibility frames that if you get hit once, it's just going to hit you again and then you're going to die. Luckily, mm. it is forgiving enough that when you do get a game over screen, it just puts you at the doorway of the whatever room you are in. So it's not like you're losing a ton of progress and the loading screen for that is quite fast. But I think it might be worth checking out. I hope if they patch it to fix those progress breaking glitches if you are looking for a difficult zelda game with kind of like charming animation some of it is a little bit like not as polished as we would be used to to some uh games coming out like for example when you start talking to an npc it the the camera is just really it's uh jarring the way that the camera reacts and some of the dialogue is jarring that the way that the text box acts and it's very easy to get lost but i think there's a lot of promise and potential in this game i just hope that they come out with a patch to fix those game breaking bugs and if you don't mind getting a little bit frustrated with a little bit clunky controls i think it has a lot of potential so that's a, my my short first hands impression uh first impressions of baldo after playing for about like three hours yesterday can, can i give you an ace attorney update real quick casey yeah absolutely okay so I came on the show a few weeks ago and said that the first great Ace Attorney game in the great Ace Attorney Chronicles that pairs together one and two came out in July. I said I thought it was one of the lesser Ace Attorney games. And upon finishing it, that's true. I think it's in the bottom two of the 11 games there are. But I've since finished the great Ace Attorney 2, which is 
the best game in the series and it's not even Whoa. close and Whoa. it's it, i think in my top five favorite games of all time it oh my is goodness. so ridiculously good every complaint i had about the first one the, the pacing issues some of the simplicity of the cases is completely gone great ace attorney 2 hits the ground running it does not slow down throughout its five cases there's some of the most complex cases in the series it tells the most cohesive plot from start to finish of any ace attorney game and yeah, it's my game of the year. I don't think anything has a chance to beat it. So I hate being a guy that's like, oh, just get through the first one and then it gets really good. But that's absolutely the, the case one? here. Can you skip Redress, the first Casey? one? Sorry? Can you skip the first one and just no, play the second one? No, okay. the first, they are so linked. Yeah, okay. they really, okay. really go together. So it's it's a shame that like the first one sets up all the best threads that the second one then resolves. And it the payoff is so worth it it is such a fantastic story you like courtroom drama anime stories anything like that it's it's fantastic murder mysteries it's like the best example of that it's fantastic i just want to report back that it does get a lot better after the slightly underwhelming first game how long did it take you to beat the first one uh, about 25 hours okay so not like super s super long yeah and it's still Reasonable. good like it's yeah. like a 7 out of 10, and I think okay. the second one is a masterpiece. I think it is almost perfect. I think it, I think it might be worth I think it. Might be worth it. Or maybe, maybe we'll have like a, a summary of the first one, so then you can skip it and just play the masterpiece. I don't know if that would <laughs> yeah. work out. But Sorry, I made, I made a face because to me, 25 hours is a very long time. <laughs> I guess I'm used to like the standard of like 40 hours being like yeah. the norm. Yeah. But it's not anymore. I don't know. We should do an audit of like the, the average length of video games throughout the ages. I think that'd be very interesting to look at. I'm going to go pitch that after this episode. And speaking of that, <laughs> that is about all the time we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat. Mitchell, Brian, and Logan, thank you all so much for joining me this week. Remember to tune in next week to hear more of our top picks for the theoretical Nintendo 64 mini console that is probably never coming out. And if you have questions, you can always email us at nintendovoicechat at IGN.com. I know we didn't get to them this week, but we will next week. So don't worry, your questions are not going to go to waste. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz! <laughs> Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Oh, let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.